You're listening to Transforming Insight, the podcast for anyone who has the ambition to transform their insight team and create an insight-driven organization. Your host is James Witcherly, Chief Executive of the Insight Management Academy and the author of the book Transforming Insight, The 42 Secrets of Successful Corporate Insight Teams. Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Transforming Insight podcast. This one's called Insight Communication Programs. Lots of corporate insight teams work very closely with marketing departments. But how good are we at marketing our own insights? Or even recognising the need to market them? When insight leaders think about improving communication, they normally focus on team skills and behaviour. And of course, those are really important. But if we only focus on skills, that can lead to quite a piecemeal improvement in how some topics are sometimes communicated. And there's no top-down plan for what is to be communicated, when and to whom. And I think this is a really big issue for insight teams because, as we saw in episode 10, when we looked at knowledge farming, most of our team's time and money tends to be spent on individual projects. Very few insight teams around the world yet have enough focus on joining the dots between projects and developing an accumulated body of knowledge about key markets, segments, products, categories, channels that really pulls together that big picture insight. So if our insight communication is also piecemeal, it reinforces the tendency for our insight teams to provide the company with fragmented insights. Stepping away from our normal way of doing things, let's think about how a chief marketing officer or a a communication officer might approach this challenge. CMOs often put a lot of effort, of course, into individual TV adverts, social media or email campaigns. But they also recognise the need for a company to plan a communication programme, both for its customers and prospects, to make sure that the marketing department is prioritising the right messages to the right audiences at the right time, and in a way most likely to change behaviour. How could insight teams benefit from that same approach? Well, in the Transforming Insight book, I said that I thought it would start with a focus on three key elements of communication planning, audiences, content, and channels. First, let's think about audiences. Any piece of communication should always start by considering the audience, and so should a communication plan. Who are the audiences within our organisations that would benefit from seeing more customer and market insight? Well, there's lots, aren't there? Ranging right from the boardroom to operations and customer-facing roles. We're really interested in anyone who's in a position to make decisions affecting how our company's products and services are designed, promoted or delivered. Second, let's think about content. Which individual insights or pieces of big-picture accumulated understanding would these very different audiences find most useful? That's going to vary by product and brand and by the level of detail that's going to be appropriate to communicate to different people. Generally speaking, and I'm not being rude here, but the more senior the audience, the shorter the attention span. So the greater the focus on synthesising complex topics. Rather than push the same content to everyone, What we're doing now is thinking about what's going to be most appropriate. And of course, we could research the needs of different groups of colleagues. Yes, I know a a radical idea for an insight team. And we could even go as far as defining a, I don't know, it sounds a bit pretentious, but a, a target knowledge state. Who ought to know what and to which level of detail? 
And that takes us to channels. How can we deliver different types of message to different audiences? And part of that's moving away from PowerPoint, Excel and Word and thinking more widely. Video, animation, intranet portals, competitions, postcards, posters, physical objects, town hall meetings, brown bag lunches. Intranet portals are a particularly hot topic for many Insight teams, one we're going to be discussing again at the Insight forums in March 23. As I said in episode 13 of the podcast, it's always the Insight team itself who will be the biggest user of knowledge portals. But many of the same systems that we can use to store, structure and share work amongst ourselves also present fantastic opportunities for allowing at least some of our audiences to self-serve and explore content for themselves. But the more we want our audiences to be self-sufficient, the more thought we have to give to synthesising, to curating, tagging and editing the material that we make available. Now, although most communications plans are going to start rightly with the audience, there is also merit in sometimes starting with content. Say we've just delivered great insights to one part of the company. Let's think about which other parts of the organisation could benefit from some of that same understanding, that same content. The more time we spend cultivating knowledge about really big picture things, how and why consumers in our market become customers of our organisation and what our companies should do differently to leverage the biggest opportunities or limit the largest risks, well then the more likely it is that that understanding that we've got can be applied to lots of different decisions. And that's how we start as an insight team producing a crop of knowledge that can then be harvested again and again. And that's especially true when we think about the needs of senior audiences who are usually going to be focused on the biggest decisions that the organisation's got to make. It's also possible to start with communication channels. If we've opened up a new channel of communication to share one piece of content with one audience and found that it works well, well, let's think about what else could go down that same channel. Back at Barclays, we hijacked the video screens in the elevators that took managers up to the top floor of our Canary Wharf head office. To start with, we just used those at that channel to show interviews with customers talking about topical issues. But having established the benefits of communicating to that captive audience in that way, we then started to think about which other content that we had would work in that same channel. In turn, a focus on more animated content led to a search for other channels through which we could show it. And so we came to use the large TV monitors in staff restaurants and on the walls of our call centres. Insight TV became a whole programme of activity for us. But of course, it wasn't suitable for all content, and nor could we use it to reach all audiences. I said in the book that an Insight chief marketing officer should also consider things like a consistent tone of voice, a standard look and feel to documents, common use of language, and key messages that should be reinforced at every opportunity. And I think we also need to think about communication standards across the board. We live in a world where the basic standard of most communications has improved dramatically over the last decade, either through more sophisticated animation or, I don't know, professional infographics, or just a heightened awareness of language and how to use it. In many respects, that's great, because it means that insight teams are likely to have a far greater choice of communication methods and tools at their disposal. But it does also raise the stakes. Our corporate decision makers are constantly bombarded with messages, many of them now beautifully packaged. So if we expect our messages to gain cut through and become memorable, 
We have to raise our game and put a lot more time and effort into the way we develop our Insight communication programme. In the Transforming Insight book, I said that the 17th secret of successful Insight teams is that they drive change by designing and delivering an Insight communication programme. If your organisation is a member of the IMA, and if you have a licence to access our website, you can look at all the topics relating to Insight communication in the IMP 400 series of guides and the IMV 400 series of videos. My colleagues also run lots of open workshops designed to help Insight managers, researchers and analysts improve their communication skills. You're listening to the Transforming Insight podcast published by the Insight Management Academy, the world's leading authority on transforming corporate insight teams. Talking of my colleagues, I'm delighted to welcome one of them, Roy Hammond, to our podcast today. Roy worked with me at Barclays for many years, and then he represented Barclays at the Insight Forums from 2014 to 2022, after I'd left to work with the IMA. He now works with us as well, especially on knowledge farming and today's topic, Insight Communication Planning. Roy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. So in the first half of today's episode, I've summarised some of my thinking and the ideas that went into the book. But you've spent a lot longer than I have thinking about this topic, and I know you have five tips that you'd like to share with our listeners. Where would you start? So I think my, my first tip would be to to work closely with the communication professionals within your organization to deliver your, your insight comms. So find out who those people are within your organization and establish a strong relationship with them. So your, your internal communications team will, will be the, the communications experts. They'll, they'll own or, or have access to all of the key communications channels and they'll, they'll have a plan and they'll also have, have a budget. And they will, will likely have an established communications program that you can piggyback onto. And this was, was often the case in, in Barclays. So when we were uh, delivering Insight Masterclasses, for example, there was already an existing program that, that we were able to, to link into. And, and, you know, Insight content is something that, you know, sort of Insight communication professionals you know, really, really want because it, it's really interesting and engaging. Excellent. So we should start by reaching out to internal communication professionals in our companies. They'll have a plan and budget, but they need content. Where would you go from there? So the, the, the second tip really is to, to understand which communications channels work best for your desired communications outcome. So if you're looking to, to raise awareness, for example, then one-way channels such as broadcast email or video are, are perfectly adequate. But if you're looking to, to gain understanding, then you might want more of a, a two-way communication channel, such as face-to-face meetings or, or, or presentations. And then at the, the other end of the, the scale, if you're looking to, to gain commitment or action, then you might need to invest time in, in a workshop. So, so have a good think at the start about what it is that you're trying to achieve before you decide which channel you're going to use. So we need to think carefully about the desired outcome before we choose channels for each message. What would be your third tip? Okay, so the, the next point really is, is to think about the, the effort involved in your communication versus the desired impact. The best way to, to illustrate this is, is with an example. So in my early days in Barclays, we ran a communications campaign to drive awareness of, of a new segmentation. 
And one of the things that we did was create life-size cardboard cutouts of the of, of, of the, the, the customer segments. And we put those in, in head offices and, and, and branches around the, the organization. This was, was, was t- quite time-consuming and was, was costly to, to produce. And when we put them uh, you know, in those office spaces, they, they weren't contextualized. So, and we, but we had greater success on something that was a lot more simple. So we had greater success at driving awareness through a competition to win an Amazon Kindle. So staff just had to simply you know, look at an article uh, on the on the internet and answer a series of questions. This was, was a lot cheaper and had a, a lot more impact. Yes, I like that. So we need to think about inputs and outputs, but recognise that apparently simple ideas can sometimes work better than more complex tactics. Sometimes it can be the cheap things that drive the most engagement. What else would you recommend? The next point is to to be innovative in your communication approach. So often something which is different or unusual can have greater impact. And a great example of this is work that I saw recently from a a company called FlexMR, and it was the, the Insight as Art project where they represented insights as pieces of artwork. And the idea was to drive up engagement with insight by getting people to interact with it in the same way as they would with a, with a piece of art. And British Gas, who are one of our members, used this approach as part of their brand health review. And they said that it was, it was a fun way of sharing which generated some out of the ordinary thinking about their brand. So, so, so be innovative. Don't just use the, you know, the channels that are easy to use. If there's something that, that's better, then, you know, by all means, use user or, or come up with a new way of doing it. I remember that example. Yeah, when British Gas talked about it at one of the Insight forums last year, it seemed a very different approach and got a lot of our members thinking. And I think you had one more tip that you'd like to share. And then my final tip is to adopt a multi-channel approach to your communication. So, it, the case for this is, is really easy, I think. So the more channels you communicate your insight through, the more likely it is that it will be seen and that your, and your key messages will be reinforced. So adopt a multi-channel approach to your insight communication. Yes, I totally agree with that. If we think about the marketing that our own organisations do, a lot of that marketing, of course, the insight teams themselves inform we almost take it for granted that we're going to take a multi-channel approach, don't we? Knowing that some consumers are more likely to pick up messages from some media, some from different sources. But more than that, it's the combined effect of being exposed to the same simple, consistent messages through a range of channels that's most likely to make a difference. So if we think about insights in that way, insights communicated through a multi-channel approach are far more likely to become just, just part of the stuff that we know even if we can't always remember where we first heard them. Thanks, Roy. That's five really good tips there and five tips that I think that any Insight team could learn from. Here's a reminder of five key points that you might like to take away from this podcast. Insight teams work close to marketing departments, but often forget to market their own insights. Number two, to drive change, we should really plan an Insight communication programme as well as thinking about our insight communication standards. Number three, most communication plans are going to start with a focus on our audiences and then consider the insight that would help them in their jobs. But we do sometimes want to start with content and look for new audiences for it or communication channels 
and package our content in a way that would work best through that channel. Number four, insight teams don't need to own all the channels that they use. Remember Roy's first tip, work with the communication professionals in your organization. And number five, think like a progressive chief marketing officer and be mindful of the effort that you put into different elements of the plan, bearing in mind the desired output and the level of impact that you want it to have. In this episode, we've looked at what we can learn from adopting the hat of the Insight CMO or Communications Director and developing a structured communication plan. But of course, we also need to think about how to frame the individual pieces of Insight that we're going to communicate. And that's where a character we met in Episode 7 can come in useful again. That's the Insight Consultant, and we'll see how they can help us to shape our Insight stories in the next episode of the Transforming Insight podcast. Thank you for listening. Transforming Insight is available on all leading podcast platforms. Subscribe now to get notified when the next episode is released. Check out all the resources in the show notes and sign up to our email list. The Transforming Insight podcast is brought to you by the Insight Management Academy, who reserves the rights to the content. For more information on any of the ideas discussed in the episode, please visit www.insight-management.org. Thank you.